0: If you give your heart and believe what He's done for you We've got to pray for Israel. And our Israel verse today is Hebrews 8:10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He says, My people. He's saying, You're mine. And me, the Gentile, he grafted me in with them, with the blessings, and he says, Ray, you're mine. Think of the Lord God looking at you and saying, You're mine. What a thought. I'm so comforted by that. That could have been a comfort verse in itself. So, Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for those who have come, whether first time or have been here for a while. Lord, we are here in the assembly to hear your word preached. And Lord God, it is not by me. It is your Holy Spirit that brings the understanding, however well or however bad I deliver it today. Holy Spirit of God, it is you who brings the understanding of what has been written. I thank you, Lord God, for that. It takes all the pressure off of me to try to sound so elaborate and special. I can't do it, Lord. I'm the sinner. I messed up. But thank you for the privilege. I can come and preach your word with boldness because it is you who has the power. We thank you for it, God. We look forward to it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in Joshua 19. Uh, It comes right after Joshua 18 to help you get there faster. That was a joke. Wake up. Good morning. And, uh, I think it's on page 887 or something like that. Okay, anyway. Uh, my professor used to say that. He'd tell us the page number, and all the Bibles are going to have a different paging system. So anyway, uh, they've been, they have been—they have come into the land. God promised to get the Jewish people to their promised land, and they're here, they're there, and uh, they walk in, and there's some uh, hindrances in the way, some enemies, Canaanites, who were under curse from the time of Noah, to be submissive to the Jewish people to make their conquest easier. And they've been taken over and taken over, and then they just kind of played out, and they got tired, and there were still a bunch of tribes left over that still hadn't got their inheritance yet. And Joshua goes, what are y'all doing? Get up and take the land. God gave this to you. Why are you sitting down? Why are you weary? Go get it. He gave it to you. Oh, there's all these enemies. Oh, there's these Canaanites. We can't do it. We can't do it. It's like they already forgot about Jericho. They already forgot about the city of Ai, all the big victories that God gave them. And now they're oh, we can't take them. They're too big. He says, go get them. And so now they're going and and have uh, taken it and they're throwing the lots to see where each tribe is to settle. And remember, God controls the outcome of the lot. It's not chance as we think of it. You throw the lot, God determines where that lot comes out. He is placing his people in certain places in the land. And a lot of it is driven by prophecy. God says, I prophesy this for this tribe. And the lot fell there and that's where they are. And the prophecy would play itself out, you know. I'm glad to see that, that there's no such thing as randomness, no chance that can just come and hit me upside in the head. And God goes, Oh, I didn't see that coming. God sees it all coming. He controls all of it. And our response to that is to be obedient to it. You know, so he gave, he says, Israel, I gave you this land, go get it, go take it. And so now they're having to respond to God's promise. And so now we're in Joshua 19 and verse 17, uh, verse 17 We have now gotten to the land of Issachar. And so they've been throwing these lots for the remaining uh, tribes. And here we go. Verse 17, the fourth lot came out to Issachar. For the children of Issachar, according to their families, Uh, again, I'm going to pause right there real quick. According to their families, this is not according to the enemy. Before, they were like, oh, we can't go take it. They were basing their inheritance according to the enemy. We can't take that whole inheritance because there's an enemy out there. We can't do it. And God says, it's not according to the enemy. It's according to your families. Go get it. That's your territory. And the reason I make a point on that is don't let your enemies tell you what your inheritance is and is not. God laid things out for you, and he says, that's yours. I gave that for you. It's my provision for you. The enemy step up and say, no, you can't have it. That's not dependent on them. It's according to what God gave you. So read it again and hear what 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 they're saying. The fourth lot came out to Issachar for the children of Issachar according to their families. He's trying to turn the mentality off the enemy. Verse 18, and their territory went to Jezreel and included Cheseloth, Shunim, Hephraim, Sheon, and Anahareth, I'm Texan, y'all forgive me, Rabbeth, Kishion, Abez, Remeth, and Ganim, and Hadai, and Beth pazez And the border reached to Tabor. She, ooh, here's a good one Shehazimah and Beth Shemesh. Their border ended at the Jordan, 16 cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Issachar, according to what? Their families the cities and their villages. It's not dependent on the enemies. It's on the population of their tribe, according to their families. And so they got this valley of Jezreel, which is a very fertile place. God didn't throw them in a dump. (laughs) He gave them a fertile place. You know, when you you realize when God tells you to go somewhere, he's going to provide. Well, I don't know what's there, Lord, so I'm not going. Well, God's like, I will take care of that. Let me deal with it. It's a fertile place. And uh, there had been biblical wars fought in this valley, as well as the future battle yet to be fought, which is described in Revelation as the place called Armageddon. I've been there. It's a huge valley, isn't it? Y'all been there with me. It's a vast valley. It's huge. There's going to be blood that's going to be at the bottom of that to come up to the horses. It's going to be quite quite a battle in the future. So now Joshua 19 and 24 of the land of Asher says the fifth lot came out for the tribe of the children of Asher, according to their families and their territory included Helcath, Hale, Beten, uh, B- 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 Akshath, Amalek, I'm sorry, Amalek, Ahmad, and Michelle. It reached to Mount Carmel westward along the brook Shehor-Libneth. It turned toward the sunrise to Beth Dagon, and it reached to Zebulun and to the valley of Jiphthah-el. Then northward beyond Beth Emek and Nahel, bypassing Kabul, which was on the left, including Abron, Rehob, Haman, and Cana, as far as Greater Sidon. And the border turned to Ramah and to the fortified city of Tyre. Then the border turned to Hosea and ended at the sea by the region of Aksib. Also, Uma, Ephek, and Rehob were included. Twenty-two cities. With their villages, this was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Asher, according to their families, these cities with their villages. Another thing to think about here, God's giving these tribal territories out and there's already cities there. That means there are already systems in place. That means there's probably some crops that have already been tended to, and those Canaanites under curse and whoever's there under curse, they're supposed to just get out of the way, and they're supposed to be destroyed. That's part of God's judgment. It's Well, that's not the God I serve, right? That sounds a little harsh. Get to know the God of the Bible. He has to pronounce curse on willful sinners who won't repent, and that was these people that lived in these cities. If you think about it, when the Israelites came out of Egypt— He says, you're going to come out with great possessions. Now, how does a race of slaves end up with great possessions? By taking it from those who oppressed them. They took it from the Egyptians and they came out with great possessions. They're going into a land of great possession. So here's what I want to make of this. When God tells you to go somewhere and do something and you're thinking, but I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have this. I don't have that. There may be somebody ahead of you that does have the money and does have the time and does have the stuff that God is going to tell them when so-and-so gets here, you give it up to him. It happens in the Bible all the time. Don't base, when God, don't base your move upon what you have. When God says move, and you're, well, I can't do it. I don't, I don't have it. God says, you leave that to me. I'll deal with that. When God called me to ministry full time and I had to leave my career, I said, God, I can't do that. How am I supposed to do it? I, there's no big money in that. God says, you leave that to me. So he had, you see the cities. I mean, did I just read them out of nowhere? That's in the Bible. These cities were already there for the people to come in and start their life. God put that in front of them. And when God calls you somewhere, he will put things in front of you that you need as well. And so I want to talk about a notable Asherite because it was the the tribe of Asher. There was quite a notable Asherite whose name was Anna, the prophetess. When Joseph and Mary, they took Jesus as a young uh, child to the temple in Jerusalem to see Simeon, there was someone there named Anna, the prophetess and Simeon blessed Joseph Mary and Jesus and he was speaking great things that the Messiah would do but not only did Simeon prophesy about Jesus but also Anna the prophetess was there for this event as well i want to show you in Luke 2 and 36 it says how Anna bears witness to the redeemer now there was one Anna a prophetess the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher this is the tribe we're dealing with the tribe of Asher she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here's Anna, this Asherite, a godly woman, At 84 years old, she was completely devoted to the Lord's service in the temple since her husband had died years before. I've seen people before, not even quite 84 years old, going, Well, I did my part. It's time for you kids to pick it up. (laughs) Look at her. She's 84. She's a widow and she's still going. She's still going. As long as you can go, keep going. And so during this time, the word about Jesus was all over the land. Everybody's talking about Jesus. Is is he the Messiah or is he not? There's a lot of talk. And so that, that news would have been spread around and people would have believed or disbelieved her words as she's proclaiming the Messiah. She was announcing the Messiah. She believed this Jesus, this child is the Messiah, and she's proclaiming it because people, I don't know, I don't know. I heard this Jesus. I'm not sure. She's at the temple and she's telling you, this is the Messiah. If you want redemption, this is him. This is him. <laughs> One thing I do want to consider too is, is, are there reasons why people would not listen to Anna? I, I bet you anything there's reasons they would not because she's a widow. In that culture, oh, you're a widow. You're down here. And she was very, very old. Well, you know, yeah, you got wisdom, but you're a widow and you don't have a husband and now you're lower again. There's a lot of reason in that culture why people would not listen to her. And it's very interesting how God chooses what society considers the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are strong. God chose Anna an elderly widow to proclaim the Messiah when he came into God's temple. That is fascinating to me. God bless all you women who are serving, okay? I, I'm just telling you, if the Bible does not excite you, you're not reading it. <laughs> so I wanted to tell you about Anna, the prophetess in Asherite. And, uh, you know, even though she was older and widowed, see, she's probably thinking that's two major strikes against me. I'm older and I'm widowed. She never considered herself of no value like the culture tried to tell her that she was. She was in that temple and she never departed. She stayed in there. She dedicated herself to service to God. That's a good little side tone for us to remember, isn't it? That's a good thing for us to keep in mind that whenever there are those who consider you to be down and out, you are never down and out until God tells you you are. And Anna never considered herself out. She kept going. I always like to say, typically at the end of a message, it's just kind of my thing, that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. We can take great encouragement from God's word here and that he used a faithful elderly widow to have great purpose in announcing the Messiah from the temple. I'm very encouraged by that. Because I have my own little inefficiencies that society says, no, Ray, you need to stay down here because you did this wrong or you're in this wrong social class or something. Hey, look at Anna. If you ever start to doubt yourself, look at Anna. And look at the great privilege God gave her. Uh, If you want to say girl power, that's okay. As long as you say girl power from the biblical perspective of it. Okay? I'm fine with that. Anna the Asherite prophetess who was looked down upon in her society is the very one that God chose to announce the Messiah. Something I want to say to the ladies is do not follow that lie that tells you to push yourself up for man's recognition. We women have to get up and we got to, the men have to recognize us. The men have to, rec- you don't have to do that. What you need to do is to make yourself low for God's recognition. That's all of us, not just the gals. It's us guys, too. You don't need to stand up and puff up and march in the streets and bang and make noises to get everybody to notice you and how great you are. You want to be recognized for how great you are? Get low and let God recognize you. You don't need man's approval. You don't need man's support like that. You need God first. Seek first the things of the kingdom. That's what Anna did. She stayed devoted in the temple. She got to announce the uh, Messiah. That's so wonderful. And she is a notable Asherite from the tribe of Asher, and in lowliness she had great worth, so do you. Joshua nineteen and thirty two, the land of Nephtali. The sixth lot came out to the children of Nephtali, for the children of Naphtali according to their families, and their border began at began at Heleph, enclosing the territory from the Terebinth tree in Zen okay, guys. Zenanim, I'll just leave it at that. Adami. Nekeb, and Jab, Jab, Jabnil, as far as Lachem, It ended at the Jordan. From Heliph, the border, extended westward to Asnoth-Tabor, and went out from there toward Hukuk. It adjoined Zebulun on the south side and Asher on the west side, and ended at Judah by the Jordan toward the, sun, um, toward the sunrise. And the fortified cities are Zedum, Zer, Hamath, Reketh, Kinnereth, Adma, Ramah, Hazor, Kedesh, Edre, and Hazor, Iron, Migdal, El, Horam, Beth Anath, and Beth Shemesh, nineteen cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Naphtali, according to their families, the cities and their villages. Okay, so very close to Asher on the east. Naphtali had the Jordan River and the Sea of Galilee as its eastern boundary. And like several other territories had been prophesied for things to happen to them. We've been over that. Other tribes had prophesied things that was to happen to that tribe. Reuben, he violated that woman in Israel's bed. He got his his tribal location put on the east side of the Jordan, much closer to the enemy. That was a curse because he did a bad, bad thing. Well, that was prophesied to happen that way. There's a lot of prophesied things that was said over tribes, and Naphtali was no different. But Naphtali has quite a good prophecy to look forward to. Uh, Naphtali's area was not very prominent in Old Testament times. Some of the areas that we went over in the past had a lot of prominence in biblical Old Testament. Naphtali does not have a big prominence in the Old Testament, but is going to have a very good involvement in the New Testament because Jesus Christ would be there in that area. Now, I'm really big when it comes to prophecy. Why? because of revelation 19:19 19, 19. it says for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy that's big it bothers me when i talk to christians and they go well i'm not big on prophecy i don't care you don't care about the testimony of jesus christ well i didn't know that well then let's learn prophecy <laughs> christians are losing the concept of prophecy and i'll explain why here in a minute but we really have to get into concern with prophecy prophecy speaks forward to the coming Messiah prophecy speaks forward to promises that we have in God prophecy lets you know the good things that are coming how are you supposed to know if God doesn't tell you he prophesies and you go oh good I got that to look forward to and so I want to show you the prophecy where Isaiah speaks of the once gloomy Nephtali but becoming changed to a wonderful place all because of Jesus. In Isaiah 9 and 1, it says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Ooh, who's that light? Who is that light? (laughs) Let's see the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in the testimony of Jesus, where it gets fulfilled in Matthew 4 and 13. It says, And leaving Nazareth. He came, Jesus, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of where? Zebulun and and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's the fulfillment of the prophecy. It was prophesied that on Naphtali, the once gloomy, now the light has shown up. Jesus Christ, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That light was Jesus Christ. Jesus even said in the book of John eight twelve, he says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. There's your light. He's preaching in the area in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy concerning Naphtali. And I just wanted us all to know that. You know, all prophecy will be fulfilled. There's not one prophecy that's going to go through human history unfulfilled. And that, I take comfort in that. Because when God says something's going to happen, you can trust that it will happen. When God says this will happen, it will come to pass. The Bible has given us so many prophecies when you look through it. Uh, It has also given us the text that shows the prophecies that have been fulfilled. So it says these are prophecies that will happen. And then here's the prophecies that have been fulfilled. You get to see this pattern. Here it comes. And there it went. Here it comes. And there it went. God said it would happen. And God did it. You, when you get used to seeing that pattern, then when you look at prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, you know they will be. Because the Bible says, I have fulfilled all these prophecies, so that means the ones that have not been fulfilled yet, you know they will be. And you can take comfort in that. So you can expect the future prophecies that have not yet been done will be done. And so they will come to pass. Now here's a good one. Let me me give you an idea. In Hebrews uh, 9.28 It says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin for salvation. Okay. I have shown you prophecies that were said in Isaiah's time and got fulfilled in Naphtali's time. I shown you earlier in the book prophecies that were said way over here that got fulfilled up in here. Now I'm showing you a prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled because I have shown you God's pattern that when he says he's going to do something, that he will do it. When God says Jesus is coming back again, then guess what? You can trust that Jesus is coming back. Again, I am so thankful. Come on, let's go. (laughs) I'm excited. It gives us a pattern to follow. Prophecies will be fulfilled. And you can be assured he's going to appear second time for salvation. But Jesus has been prophesied to come. And I'm just glad to see what's going on. And just in the distribution of these tribes, we're getting to understand prophecy. We're getting to understand that when God says something, he keeps his word. I didn't know all this was in the... In, oh, I, most people, they look in Joshua, oh, okay, they're dishing the tribes out. That's good. I'll skip that part. Don't skip nothing. Read it. Get in there. You'll, you'll miss a lot of good stuff. That's why we cover everything here. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time